and welcome to episode number 132 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, Brad Allen, where we run down all of the NFL games of the week. We'll start off with a little bit of review from Thursday night. A couple of games we won't really touch on. One, there's COVID issues. A couple others, we don't really have a ton of Ton of thoughts as far as bets go for those games, but let's kick things off real quick, guys, with a quick review of Thursday night. We do get a come-from-behind double-digit win by the Eagles in the fourth quarter in what could only be considered one of the worst NFL games that I've had to experience in quite some time. Um, Brett, I'll start with you because uh, I see you're laughing the most about this. Uh I mean, it started out, it actually looked like it could be a decent football game at the beginning of the game. And it looked like the Eagles offense was incredibly efficient, just kind of marching the ball down the field. And then for whatever reason, they get into the red zone and Doug Peterson decides that he he loses all control and starts calling the worst game I've ever seen in an NFL game. And they had to come back and win by a point, which of course the point does not cover for the Eagles. I'm laughing because I actually turned it off at halftime and you're telling me the best part of the game was the first half. That is not a good, uh, you're not selling me on the second half of that game. I turned it off because I couldn't watch Carson Wentz anymore. Yeah. He was so bad in the first half. They, the, uh, the, the improvis- improvisation just rolling out of the pocket, the, like the opposite way he should be rolling. I, is he good? I, he's bad. He's bad. I think isn't he? I think he's bad. Yeah. But then he makes the throw to I did see the highlight, the the Boston Scott throw there at the end. That's a beautiful throw. Like he has moments where he flashes, but man, did he look bad at the end of the first half. I just I don't know what to do with this Eagles team. Like I, I'm with you, Matt. We were we were both on the Eagles in this game. But then you see Wentz do these things. I don't know how you can back this offense when he has nobody to throw the ball. to. Yeah, I, I fortunately had a had a dignity saver slash uh, double eat shit bet where I, uh, where I bet the, I bet the Eagles money line whenever they were down by four points and uh, was fortunately able for that to, to get home to kind of salvage the night. But Brad, this, uh, this NFC East, my friend, this is, uh, this is something else. This is, this is a division that I might add is going to host a playoff game. The winner of this division will host a playoff game that seems unfair yeah and <laughs> historically i think there's been two teams with a losing record you know the seahawks and then the cardinals were seven eight and one and they've gone to the playoffs with a losing record and i think they both won that playoff game so you know we, we could have one of these teams in the divisional round at some point and you know they'll probably lose by 40 to to someone who's actually good to the saints or something um yeah, I have no idea who's going to win the NFC East because they're all a disgrace. And whenever they play anyone not in their own division, they they get disgraced. So, I mean, maybe that's just the angle going forward is whenever they play the NFC West or I don't know if all those games are done, but whenever they play anyone else, just back the other, back the other team. Yeah, it seems like a, a decent strategy because it was absolutely pathetic. I can't even believe that I sat and watch that game, but I, I did, um, you know, and uh, it is what it is. That's what it is. We'll just leave it at that. You know what? It is what it is. Football happened, and we'll just kind of move on uh, from there. No real opinion from us top to bottom on this Browns and Bengals game, so we won't take up too much of your time on that. So uh, if you want to go in right now, it's sitting three, three and a half, depending on which book that you go in and get it at so uh in favor of the browns of course after their 
pretty putrid performance last week that I think we all called as well. Um, Bengals uh, scrappy. Listen, they just can't win. They're just scrappy. Uh, Problem is Joe Burrow continues to get sacked and hit basically every other time that he drops back. And that is not great for his long term, uh, long term stock. If you want to uh, take long term stock in Joe Burrow, I think that uh, like this guy, like me, I always refer to him as future Hall of Famer Joe Burrow. And now I'm kind of like, if he even is able to make it that far into his career to even have uh, be not be nominated for something like that. So, yeah. And look at look at these pass rushes he has to face twice a year. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett Steelers. The Ravens just added in Gawkway. <laughs> like, I'm worried about Joe, Joe Burrow. I really you am. and me both. I, uh, I, I was sitting here seriously seriously like man is this really going to be how this is this is going to go and this this looks like this this is going to go this guy's going to take a hit every single time every other time he drops back that's unfortunate um let's go to this cowboys and washington football team game which i think is pretty damn interesting it is a one point spread and it actually is um if this, uh, if our odds feed is correct, Brett, it actually says that um, we have a chance to get in on both sides here. It looks like DraftKings is Cowboys plus one, Cowboys minus one over at FanDuel. Um, so we know what we saw in the Cowboys this past week. It, I went back and rewatched that game, and and Brad, I, I, I kind of like a lot of people came out and were just like immediately. Uh, crapping on Andy Dalton and honestly he didn't play that bad I mean over the if you look in how that went down two horrible fumbles I mean there was an untimely pick by him but it wasn't really this crazy bad performance from Andy Dalton it was just kind of more of the same from the Cowboys defense um yeah I mean they had four turnovers there um, it to me, I you know I, I had a bet on the Cowboys. I think that were got sort of plus plus oh. one twenty five. They went off minus one twenty. You know, I thought a lot yeah. of money on the Cowboys. That was unfortunate. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you're sitting there at kick going, oh, how sharp am I? But you know, yeah. and then they were just abysmal. And what what really what really annoyed me as as a, as a backer was this was the play calling it was right first first and 10 run Zeke into the line second and 10 run Zeke into the line and that there's nine men in the box in some of these and it's run Zeke in there and it's like okay you, you're trying to protect Dalton but if you put Dalton in third and 10 and just they unleash the pass rush at him you, you're not helping Dalton and it's shocking oh it was second and 15 run Zeke into the line and I'm I'm just sitting there going this is the worst coaching performance I've ever seen and then Zeke fumbles twice after saying he's not going to fumble all year so, if, but if they do that again, if it's, oh, well, we've got to protect Dalton here because he's just lost, and they run on first and second down every time into nine-man boxes, they're going to lose again. Um, and I think there's a, there, there is a huge mismatch again. So, we spoke last week, and I said, if they protect Dalton, or went, you know, if they play teams with bad pass rushes, which the Cardinals were, they were 25th ranked by PFF, they just lost their best pass rusher. So if they play bad pass rushes, I think Dalton would be fine. When they play good pass rushes, he's 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 in trouble. Well, the, the Cardinals were all over him. Hassan Reddick got two sacks in, in, in relief. Um, so now this week they go up against a good pass rush. Uh, Redskins, I've got them here, third in adjusted sack rate. Um and the Cowboys, again, they're down to like their third string left tackle. 
the, the only good player left is Zach Martin. He's in concussion protocol. Um, you know, the, the centre is Tyler Beardash. I've, I've never heard that name before. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a it's a makeshift unit. They're, that's probably kind of bottom five unit in the league now. Um, and they're going up against the very strength of this pass rush, um, this Washington team. And so, again, if they try and run into that, they, they, it's not going to work. So... I've not seen anything that suggests that they're suddenly going to be smart and throw the ball early. So I, I think the Redskins are actually a, a sneaky good bet. Yeah, Brett. I mean, if you take a look at this, if if I was playing this game, and I, I very well might end up because one of the games I was super high on this week, it might not get played. And then there's a couple of other ones that have gotten weird. So I might actually have to end up playing this game and come around at least for contest purposes. And then maybe uh, maybe even with with money here. I mean, I, I'm with Brad. I, I did not see anything from the Cowboys that would lead me to believe that they are going to put together a solid game plan to come out and attack this team how you need to attack this team. And then even if they do, we know the one thing Washington can do well is kind of disrupt up front. And we saw this Cowboys offensive line is not the Cowboys offensive line of old. It is not the one that we know and love over the last decade or so. And so I think they could cause a, a pretty big stink back there and and make Andy Dalton's life pretty miserable. Yeah, I agree with you guys that the, the the Washington pass rush against this battered Cowboys offensive line is a concern, but I still have to back Dallas huh. here. And the more I look at it, the more I like the Cowboys. These wacky turnovers and the Zeke fumbles have been killing this offense. And I see those, those are obviously more outliers than something predictive week in, week out. Elliott had five fumbles lost in the first four seasons of his career coming into 2020. He's lost four already this season. And those turnovers have resulted in 28 points for the opposing team because they've mostly come in their own territory and their defense is terrible. That's why Dallas has lost football games, though. They're minus 12 in turnover margin. The next worst team in the NFL is Minnesota at minus seven. And that's partially why they're dogs to Washington Mm -hmm. here. They've lost games because they've been dropping footballs on the pitch, which is not a predictive thing. And we're also getting Dalton here. He's got some snaps in this offense under his belt. Granted, they weren't great snaps last week against Arizona, but still he has so many weapons at his disposal. This, uh, this Dallas offense is so much better than Washington's. And in 2020, I'll gladly back the better offense that's getting any points in a division game. I just see this as a spot where I have to buy back on the Cowboys. And it's funny. I told you guys last night, I don't really have a lean on this game, but I dug into it this morning and suddenly Dallas is one of my favorite spots of the week. Well, isn't that something? Isn't that something? Uh, This is just, yeah, this is just me. I I, I totally understand what you guys are saying. mm -hmm. And that I am worried about the Dallas offensive line, but this is more of just like a market, like, there has to be regression here for the Cowboys, and I think this is a good spot. Yeah, the turnovers were definitely were definitely a thing, and that certainly pivoted and shifted that game. The thirty-eight to ten box score is a little a little misleading. Yeah, so I would question this Cowboys coaching as well. There was this stuff this week where you know the, the players came out and said we're badly coached. You know, they they have a plan, but they they can't adjust on the fly. So at some point, the Cowboys, they've been this badly coached team underperforming their stats and their talent for a couple of years now. So when do we start to go, they're just badly coached, they're just going to make stupid mistakes, they're going to, like like I say, they're going to make suboptimal play calls and and run on first down and 
drop the ball and make you know not not cover anyone. And, and this is the this is the worst ranked pass coverage in the NFL as well. So I think Terry McLaurin could have a big de- big game. Lions at the Falcons right now. Two and a half is the prevailing number. There is a two over at FanDuel. The Falcons are your favorites in this one at home against the Cowboys. Um, Brett, we take a look at the Lions coming off a really good game. But hey, Falcons coming off a really good game as well. On the injury side of things, we're, there are a few things to monitor, but it doesn't look like anything super major is going to be um, of concern. What do you, What can you do to talk me out of making the Lions a teaser leg to where I'm getting eight and a half points with them? I need you to talk me off of this because if not, I'm going to have the Lions as plus eight and a half in uh, an infinite amount of teasers here. Yeah, I can't do that because I'm still buying the lines. I, I, it sounds like you are, you're on the same wavelength. Yeah, it just to me, this game sets up. Look, I understand the Falcons can can look the, the Falcons came out and they flashed last week and I'm perfectly fine with them flashing uh, from time to time. But uh, I don't think any of us were really high on going against the Falcons all that much last week either. You know, it was a pretty good spot for that team. And uh, this Lions squad got healthy, got uh, continues to get a little bit more healthy. And while I do think here's the one, here's might be the one time this year, guys, where I don't think there's a coaching disadvantage for the Lions because the other team doesn't have a coach. Yeah. So I can at least look at it that way. I don't have to like, I can handicap it that they don't have the coaching disadvantage in this thing. So uh, Brett, t- t- tell me why you like the Lions as much as I do. Yeah, I mean, I said I said last week the Lions are a team. They look at the look at the setup here they have with this schedule. I think this is a I think they're going to go on a run here. I, I I circled this as a game that they could definitely win. I think this should be. You know, we're looking at plus two and a half right now. I think this should be closer to uh, a pick. I think the Lions are just a better team, a more complete team defensively. They're they're not good, but we know how bad this this. Falcons defenses mm-hmm. as well and uh, you know I just I think th- this this Lions unit's coming together and yeah I I, th- I just see this as a, a spot to keep buying them uh, until the market corrects itself we were high in them coming into the season and I think they're starting to finally we're starting to finally see the Lions that we were expecting in 2020. Brad, we got a Lions team here that, according to Pro Football Focus, the 11th overall pass blocking unit, the best run blocking unit, according to them. Their offense, uh, rush offense, 13th, so obviously upper half of the league here. I mean, they could be better on yards per play, 5.5, which is way down at 24th. But, um, you know, they didn't have Kenny Galladay there for for a hot minute. Now he is back on this team. Uh, Falcons. We know the the woes of the Falcons on the defensive side of the ball, uh, sp- specifically. Um, in the run, in the past defense where, you know, DBOA has them down at 30th coverage ranked 20th, according to, uh, to pro football focus. So will this Falcons team be able to slow down a lion's offense that is uh, pretty much full strength? Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really like a side one thing. Uh, so mm-hmm. to what you're saying, I, I can't really see either defense is slowing the other one down. Um, you know, I probably spent too too long looking at this game, just trying just trying to find <laughs> some sort of edge on the side. And they're they're, they're quite they're very similar teams. I found they mm-hmm. you know just good passing offenses, bad passing defenses, both run the ball wellish. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I came out kind of sort of flattish there. What I did possibly like was the angle. 
So a we know, we know the Lions um, they had a lot of games without Golladay, and then when he he's come back, so with Golladay in there, Stafford is eighth in QBR, um, and that's that's basically EPA per play adjusted for opponent as well. So you know their eighth best offense essentially would be one way to say that with Golladay in there, and then obviously the Falcons with Julio in there. When Julio's played, they've averaged averaged thirty four point seven points per game, four hundred forty nine yards when he, when he's played the full game. Now he did miss practice and. Julio's a bit of a nightmare. Whenever I seem to bet on him, he does about 12 yards and limps <laughs> off with his hammy. And then last week I bet he's under and he's, he's he's suddenly perfectly fine. So he's a bit tricky, but based on how he looked last week, I, it seemed like he's fine. So with, with Golladay and Julio in there, not much pass rush going on out there. It looks like the Lions might miss Trey Flowers, their best pass rusher. He, he missed practice. I'm not, I'm not sure on his status, but that's one to keep an eye on. Um, but so I, I thought probably over 55 might be the best play here. Um, but obviously the teaser leg with the Lions is, um, I think, rock solid. Yeah, I, I like that teaser leg a lot. And if it was if I was going to play this one, definitely would be an over. There'd be no way in the world you're ever getting me on an under in this game either uh, two two pretty good offenses and I, I'm with you Brett I think that this Lions team might start to come around is it too late we shall see but uh, I think they might be coming around in this thing let's take a look at the let's go to the Packers and the Texans and this is an interesting game for me because this is actually one of the ones I scratched off at first and then I kind of maybe unscratched and then I scratched off again I don't know what to make hides. Uh, maybe I'm just uh, snake bit on this a little bit, Brad. I had the Texans last week, and so maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm gun shy. Maybe I'm snake bit with that team for whatever reason. It seems like every time you were talking about every time you bet the the totals on these, other, the, the Falcons, it seems like every time I bet the Texans, I get the wrong end of it. Um, three and a half, so that you do get the hook on them at home against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I was also on the the Texans last week, and that was that was quite painful. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, the offense was showing a lot a lot of signs. I think in the mm-hmm. last two games without uh, Bob, they're the second in EPA per pass play. So you know they've they've we talked about more play action last week, more deep shots, and and that paid off again. I think they were about six point eight yards per play against against Houston. So very good. Um, as for Green Bay. I'm not. I'm not worried about the offense. Essentially, mm-hmm. obviously, David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, we've got to keep an eye on him. He missed practice. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'd want him in there before backing any any Packers or any over because I think he's he's very very important. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think there's probably a possible buy a low spot on Green Bay because a there was a lot of wind. B B Bakhtiari went out in the middle of that game, um, and R- Rogers looked shook up essentially you know maybe it's the pass rush he, he got hit hard a few times early in that and then he he reverted to his old self and you know instead of mm-hmm. throwing the ball within two and a half seconds like he'd been doing all year when he's in rhythm it was back to three seconds holding onto the ball and basically not being you know quick and quick and in rhythm and I think that was probably pass rush and coverage and unfortunately in this spot Houston have neither of those things right um so yeah if, if Bakhtiari's in there I, I can see Green Bay going up and down the field and as, as we've said Houston offense is transformed, it seems, without Bill O'Brien and throwing deep. So if Bakhtiari plays, I think the over 57, even though wow. it's very high, I, I can still see this flying over. Yeah, Brett, I mean, look, the, the one thing we've pretty much come to know about this game for fact, at, at least, is that both of these defenses are nothing to write home about. I mean, we have two 
fairly bad defenses and two defenses that certainly can't get the other teams off of the field. And the Packers were able to get by on that just because they were so incredibly good on the offensive side of the ball in the first few weeks of the season. But listen, I, you know, I was, I was, I was fading the Packers at every single possible uh, turn last week because I thought that it was finally going to come back to roost and, Mm -hmm. and it did. But now if there is a cure-all, it would be what they would get in this Texans team. And then also the way this Texans team plays and whatnot, um, three and a hook one way or the other, or, uh, or are you looking at the total? I, I do like the hook. Is Green Bay that much better than Houston? That's that's the question I found myself asking here because you mm-hmm. have to pay a pretty big price uh, on the Packers on the road. Like you said, this Green Bay defense is legit bad. Not as bad as yeah. Houston's, but I don't think their inadequacies on that side of the ball are being baked into these lines enough yet. Uh, they don't get any pressure up front, which is a huge difference from last year. And now they face an elite quarterback who is quietly having an excellent year and finding harmony with these new wideouts. And the blueprint for stopping Deshaun has been getting pressure in his face, getting him out of the pocket. The Packers haven't been able to do that this year. The concern is that, you know, we get what we saw last week where Derrick Henry just bulldozed this Texas defense to a monster mm-hmm. line. That's obviously in the range of outcomes here with Aaron Jones. And I am I am expecting a big game out of Aaron Jones here, but I do think Deshaun can go score for score with the Packers here. So that's why I like the hook, even though we took that brutal loss. We all took that brutal loss oh. last week with the Titans. That was that was rough. But I'm comfortable going right back to Houston at this number. I don't think we get the hook here if the Texans pull off that win last week. So that's that's just kind of how I look at it. I'll I'll take the hook uh, on the key number. Yeah. So I I actually want to be on the Packers here, but I'm sitting it out until maybe we can get to the flat three, and I don't know if it'll ever get there. So maybe this game doesn't make my card, and maybe it doesn't get into my account. I. I I have a lean to the Packers, but the way that this game could play out, I could see a lot of scenarios where it is just score, 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 and then the game gets decided by a field goal. Um, And so for me, it's really tough with that hook being on there. But as you mentioned, Brad, this is where – they were never going to be able to get off on the ground last week against the Bucs. It was just never going to happen. That Bucs defense is too elite for that, and – this is where they kind of come back in and establish getting Jones going yet again because we know that's exactly what you can do to this Texans defense and takes a little bit of pressure off of Rodgers, off of that receiving core and, and everything like that. And so uh, you saw his frustrations last week when he had to drop back every single time and throw every single down and um, the, the team knew what was coming. And so uh, getting back to a more balanced look here, I think is is in the in the Packers' favor. So I like the Packers, but I'd rather that hook not be on there. So with that, I will be kind of sitting here waiting on a situation where maybe that thing goes away. Maybe it doesn't, and then I don't have any uh, I don't have any I don't have any way to get in on this thing. Um, all right, guys, let's uh. <laughs> Buffalo Bills and the New York yes. Jets. Yeah, hey, but let's just, we'll laugh it through. Uh, the worst football team, maybe if this continues of all time. I mean, this Jets team is so pathetic in every single metric that you look at. You can't, there's no point in us even sitting here and saying like, oh, well, they're bad here, 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 because we can just say they're bad up and down the board everywhere you look. This Jets team is terrible. And so, um, Brett, 
this is a 12 point spread. It has actually come down. It had gotten yep. all the way to 13 and a half in this. Um, does a total of 45. Are you a buyer at 12? Oh yeah. Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Cause it keeps it, like it's trending. It looks like it's going to drop again. And that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like you said, this this might be the worst football team we've seen in a long time. And regardless of who is playing quarterback for New York, either it's either the statue of Joe Flacco or Sam Darnold, who hasn't taken a snap in weeks and he's forced right back into the worst offense in the league. How do you get up for that? How do you get excited about having to play with this group? And there is no better buyback spot on the Bills than this. You know, two straight losses against two good teams with a wacky schedule, complicating things. And now you get Josh Allen and this passing offense against a Jets defense that's 30th in hurry percentage, 27th in pressure on dropbacks. Allen's going to have all day to pick apart this Jets secondary that is allowing seven and a half net yards per attempt near the bottom of the league. There, I mean, they're near the bottom of the league in every single metric. This line, this line should be 14. I think people have forgotten how lethal this Bills air attack is when Josh Allen has time to operate. I, I see this as another Brian Dabble playground game. Like they're going to do whatever they want to the Jets. And New York has nothing on offense that makes me nervous about covering a big number, even like the back door. I think you just have to keep picking on the Jets until the books price them as an all-time bad team. And I don't think I don't think they're there yet. Obviously, there's some pushback here with this line falling. So they're the Jets are getting some support, but I don't I don't know how that's warranted. Well, Brett, the one thing uh, when you look at this game the, that the Bills don't do very well is run the ball. And if you if you want to see if you want a bright spot for the Jets, it would be that at least the rush defense isn't absolutely atrocious, got awful. So if anything, it would give the Bills even more incentive to just yes. throw the ball, to just throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, where you have a team in the Jets that's given up you know, the seventh, uh, the seventh worst as far as pass success rate, um, EPA per pass, fifth worst in the league. And so, I mean, it's just, uh, it seems like a good, a really good kind of bounce back spot. I just don't know if I can get there with 12. Uh, Brad, that's does, not 12 points is nothing. Come on. <laughs> we're talking about the Jets. Brad, does Makai Becton coming back affect how you look at this? Does uh, Sam Darnold coming back affect how you look at this? Um, Jameson Crowder did miss practice, which that's his favorite target. So I guess that would be a, a bummer if he were <laughs> he not was able only, to go. He was yeah. the only bright spot against the Bills in week one. That yeah. was it. Um, so if he, were able, if he were not able to go, and it's a groin injury, which seems bad for a wide receiver, um, that would be not good for this Jets offense. So how do you see this? 12 points. I have actually backed the Jets here. I'll, oh, I'll baby. Ah. I love it. <laughs> um, um, so, A, the, the, the primary thing for me was the spot, which the, I, it just feels like an awful situation for the Bills. So they had that Tuesday night game against the undefeated Titans, you know, big AFC matchup, straight into Monday night game against the Chiefs on short rest. Huge game. Lost that again. And then next week, they've got the Patriots, which is obviously maybe an even bigger game than these two. And then in the middle of these like three massive primetime games, you throw in the Jets. And I, I can just see that I can see them being up like 20 nil at half time and just packing it in and then just run the ball, get out of there, get out of there with a seven point win. It, it doesn't matter. Um, so it, it just feels like, yeah, I feel like that's quite a big edge. And then the other thing is the Jets are getting healthier. They are getting bodies back. They are getting back to back. He, he's very important. Darnold, 
I think will play from from what I can make out. Again, it's somewhat of a guessing game. You're basing it on beat reports and stuff. Um, Brashad Perryman back in there. It, it just feels like this is becoming more of an NFL team. Um, and if if they're being completely overlooked, as I think they might be, um, then I, I just think 12, 12 points is, is probably too many. It's a lot. I keep looking at this total, I guess, is the only thing yeah. for me at 45, and I almost want to back the under here. I just like, I, I mean... Look, I don't know whether I don't know how the Jets score enough points to get this thing over the total. I mean, it's that is kind of where I'm looking at. I, I can't believe in the year of our Lord 2020 that I'm going to sit here and say that, uh, you know, 45 and I'm looking at an under an NFL game. But uh, guys, seems like an underish type game to me. And I know that seems crazy when it comes down to it, but 12 too much for me to get involved in this thing. So I'm going to be sitting back and watching. Let's talk about the Panthers and the Saints. The uh, Saints seven and a half point home favorites. There appears to be a seven out there somewhere as well. Looks like it's going to be going to seven if it's not anyway, because heavily juiced on the seven and a hook with the Panthers. I think this is on the news, um, Brad, that maybe Michael Thomas won't play. I guess he popped back up on the injury report with now a hamstring, which is different than the ankle injury that he missed all those weeks for. So I'm guessing that's why people are buying on the Panthers with seven and a hook right here. Um, Saints coming off of a buy, yeah, you know, which depending on how much you value teams coming off of a buy, um, looking like one of the, you know, it, it, even without Michael Thomas out there, the offense has been able to move the ball. They've been able to get some yardage. The big problem has been the defense, but they actually looked like an NFL defense a little bit more last week, getting a little bit healthier on that side of the ball as well. Do you like the Saints at home with a seven and a half or uh, are you going to take the hook on the Panthers? I uh, I do quite like the Saints here. So just statistically, you, you know, people like Massey Peabody, Football Outsiders, mm-hmm. Everyone made this like nine and a half rather than the seven. Um, and I think a lot of that is the perception of the Saints defense, which, you know, they gave up a lot of points early in the year. But A, they've faced the fifthest, fifth toughest schedule of opposing offenses. Um, there was a lot of penalty yards they gave up um, and, and they're getting healthier as well. So I think I think they're going to keep Teddy Bridgewater in check here. Um, and what, what's also interesting is that they know, A, they know Bridgewater very well. Obviously, he was there last year backing them up so they should know his flaws I feel like that favours that favours the Saints there and they also know Joe Brady the Saints offensive coordinator so it's kind of a, you know a master versus apprentice here and we'll, I feel like again that probably favours the Saints a bit um, and then the Saints O-line versus the Panthers D-line is another mismatch I would say um, we, we spoke about the, the Panthers D-line last week and how they might struggle um, it's missing missing Kawan short in the middle. Um, looks like Yetta Gross Matos is going to miss again. Should get Brian Burns back, but again, this the Saints O line is still one of the best units in the league, and it I would suspect Breeze is going to be relatively untroubled back there. Um, and then on the on the other side, as I say, if, if they can harass Bridgewater, as as I think they can, then I, I think they can cover the seven quite handily. Uh, Michael Thomas is is probably important i think chef has tweeted you know it's definitely no sure thing that he's going to play so um that's definitely one to keep an eye on but uh i have laid seven with the saints as it stands 
So we talked about try and get me to not tease the lions earlier. Well, uh, I already had. And so if you're wondering where that was connected, it would be to this game right here, to the Saints game at home, getting them down to a point and a half. Brett, one of the things I liked what I saw from the Saints last time they were on the field was even without Michael Thomas, they finally were able to start using Emmanuel Sanders as the like alpha receiver there, right? I mean, this was a dude who for several years was one of a guy, if we told you to name one of the top 20 receivers in the NFL, Emmanuel Sanders' name probably would have been in that top 20 whenever you were talking about the top 20 receivers in the NFL. Now, it kind of faded out of, out of sight, out of mind over the last couple of seasons, but He's not like an ancient dude out there who doesn't have anything left. We saw that Breeze was able to hit him a ton of times, move the ball with him, and he still had a little bit left in the tank. And so that actually gives me encouragement, even if Thomas isn't able to go in this, that you do have a guy that seems like that, that, that Breeze can rely on, and then you do have all the ancillary pieces. And, oh, yeah, Alvin Kamara is still part of this offense as well. Uh, all the familiarity that Brad talked about I think is a very real thing. I think uh, more with the tendencies that you're going to get out of Bridgewater, right? I mean, uh, Brady seems like a super sharp guy. I don't, I can't imagine he's going to bring anything to the table that he feels like the Saints already know. But um, from a Bridgewater standpoint, it's not like he can just really change the way he plays and change his tendencies and different things like that over the course of, you know, a few months since he's been out of town there in New Orleans. So I think there's a lot of positives heading in the Saints direction into this game. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought this line was pretty fair. Uh, I would obviously prefer the seven on the Saints side, but I, I do like the Saints here because the defense is getting healthier coming off the bye. Like Brad said, they haven't been good this season. I mean, they're allowing 85% red zone touchdown percentage to the opposition. That's not mm -hmm. sustainable, especially now that they're getting all these guys back. So, yeah, I see this is a really good spot uh, to buy the Saints if you can get the seven, even at seven and a half. I think, you know, we're, we're all in the, the circa contest mm -hmm. i don't think P a lot of people are going to be taking the saints is i think it's seven and a half in the contest i'll have to look again but that might be one i'm looking at because i do like the saints and we might be able to uh get get them here where people aren't buying them um against the panthers team that has been a public team so far this year and I, I could see a lot of people buying back on them this week especially if michael thomas doesn't play so mainly because the defense is getting healthier off the bye i like the saints Yep, Saints uh, seven and a half in the contest over yep. there. So that could that could certainly end up as one of my plays as, as well. Like it's th this defense, the problem for the Saints team, even even though people keep pointing, like they keep it, all we hear is oh, Breeze's arm strength and Breeze's arm strength and Breeze's arm. The problem has not been the offense. The problem has been the defense. And so if the defense gets uh, if the defense gets better, which we do believe that it will. I mean, by just it has to by the fact that you're adding you're making additions through guys getting healthy and stuff like that um saints should catch up here and i uh i agree i think that this is where we think this is where we want to be is on the Saints side here yeah i mean a lot of the, a lot of their deficiencies have been in the red zone just the, the high mm. leverage plays they've been really bad and i think you're going to see some regression there so this is probably going to be the most interesting game of the week to talk about the steelers and the texans this game opened up with the steelers as two-point favorites it has shifted all the way to where the Steelers are now one and a half point dogs at some books out there. And Brett, this is one of the one, this is one of the things where I was kind of scratching my head as to why this might have been. And I can only imagine that this is, you know, an informational move, but if you were paying attention, you knew 
that Devin Bush was out anyway. Like you didn't need the team to make it official for you to act on the fact that that Devin Bush was going to be out. And so, but but when that news became official is when we started seeing this line move as as much as it was. And so it was weird to me, like, are all these guys out there with all this influential money really not paying attention to the games like we are? Because like, it was not a shock. It was not a surprise, but literally as soon as it came out that it was official, that he was going to be, you know, out and put on IR or whatever, the line started racing, but the line started racing despite the fact that the Titans are also going to be without Taylor Luan, I might add. Like, I mean, this is like a huge part of their offensive line that that is going to be out for them. And still the thing flips three points. Um, I think it's too much. I think it's an overreaction. I was on the Steelers anyway at, at minus two. So if that tells you anything as to how I feel about them at plus a point and a half here um, as we head into this one. What do, you, what do you think here about the the movement in this game at all? Because I think this is going to be probably the most interesting game of the week. This was a tricky handicap because like you said, this I saw this open at minus two and a half for the Steelers as well. I mean, and then like you said, it swung the other way, moved to Titans minus one and a half on Thursday. I'm seeing some ones here on Friday. Yeah, obviously some, some key injuries here for the Steelers with Devin Bush now off for the year, Mike Hilton not practicing, but it's not just Taylor Lewan. A.J. Brown is questionable again, and we've mm-hmm. seen how crucial he is to this Titans offense the past two weeks. The Luan injury is just so massive. An all-world tackle who would be responsible for containing this all-world Steelers pass rush. I see this as wrong team favored as it stands right now. I thought the opening number was pretty close to where it should be. But the, the fact that this quickly moved to the other direction leaves me confused and a little nervous about backing the Steelers here. Uh, but to me, this is just... The Steelers defense is too much for the Titans to contain, especially if A.J. Brown is hobbled and or out again. Uh, That's definitely something to watch when the injury report drops on Friday afternoon. If if Brown doesn't play, I'm going to be all over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how they create offense without A.J. Brown in the the lineup because you already mentioned how good this Pittsburgh run defense is, too. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Brad, yeah, Corey Davis got activated off of the COVID list. And so I guess you could look at it as to where like, yeah, you know, he could fill in if AJ Brown, but we've done this whole Corey Davis. I mean, like they, they, they've tried to make him a thing for the last three seasons. It's just, it doesn't work out. The guy is just not who they thought he was. And it, it is what it is. Um, you, you do, I think, um, uh, also Dory Jackson looks like he is going to be back as well. Um, but that's a difficult position to come come back after uh, missing so many weeks and just be uh, lights out. So there is at least that, but what do you attribute the line move to and um, how are you seeing this one play out? So I, I attribute this, this line move to one of my favorite metrics, this early down success rate with um, excluding garbage time. Um, And there I've got Tennessee third best team in the league, 53.8% success rate. And then I've got Pittsburgh 26th in the league at 40.6, which is, a pretty huge chunk um and I'll, I'll i would probably guess that's that's why the line has moved um that said so when this line came out and it was tennessee as underdogs at home i wanted to back them and i didn't because of this luan injury and now now you can get you know probably plus 120 on the steelers i probably agree with you guys that that's the play just because again with the steelers it's what we talked about last week and i got that game wrong in the end is that if 
if you can block them, then the secondary, especially with, with Mike Hilton banged up, the secondary is vulnerable and you can you can score on them. But again, the Browns can block them and I don't think that the Titans can block them with, with these with these tackle injuries because they remember they lost their right tackle, Jack mm-hmm. Conklin as well. Well they didn't lose him, you know, he, he moved to the Browns. Um so that they're they're undermanned and outmatched at both tackle spots, and then in the middle you've got Cam Hayward as well. So there's no there's no respite here. So now I I believe in Art Smith as an offensive coordinator, but at some point you, you can't just run play action all day if they don't respect the run and if if you can't block the other team. So I, yeah, I I just don't think the the Titans will will move the ball the way we we've seen them move the ball. Um, and you, it's, I think it's fair to expect the Steelers to improve that that offensive success rate based on the weapons they've got, based on Big Ben getting more comfortable, based on based on health as well. So uh, yeah, I, I quite like a money line play on the Steelers. And if you're uh, if you're if you catch this before the injury reports come out, all seriousness, watch it because if this if AJ Brown does get ruled out, um, this line is going to race. So just uh, if you want to yeah, take the flip. plus, yeah, if you want to take the plus point and a half, you're going to need to get it. Uh, you're going to need to get it soon because uh, people move on. We've just seen this informational moves are kind of like I mean, people are taking the littlest thing and like the lines just start just start racing uh you know how much is aj brown worth this offense he might be worth actually a couple of points because we've seen them without him and they did not look very good at all um one of my favorite plays of the week is going to be the steelers regardless for me in this situation so really really do like the steelers team we're going to gloss over the bucks and the raiders because it's looking more and more like maybe this game won't take place or even if it does we don't know what line the actual we don't know what the actual point spread will be it has been taken down if you haven't been following the raiders have at least Trent Brown that's going to be out no matter what, but there's contact tr- contact tracing that's gone on with the entire offensive line. They all got sent home. Maybe there's, you know, we know how these things go. We've seen this happen with with the uh, with the Titans as well when a lot of people get exposed, maybe even a couple of days later, then a couple of other things pop up. So anyway, that is off the board. It did go down as Bucks minus uh, four, four and a half, which had gone up from two and a half whenever the first, the news first hit. Guys just speculating. I imagine even if it comes back up, it's probably going to be bucks closer to six, I would guess. So that's kind of my guess. Uh, I asked Johnny Avello last night uh, from DraftKings what he thought. He thought it would be six, six and a half if um, if they put it back up with the information we know. Like if the Raiders are going to have to play with, you know, four missing starting offensive linemen, then he was like, he, you know, th- that this would be closer to much closer to a touchdown mm-hmm. uh, than it is right now. But uh, not going to bore you with that because again, we don't know the situation. Again, we don't even know if that game is going to get played. Uh, Chiefs at the Broncos, uh, nine and a half point favorites are the Broncos. I mean, are the Chiefs in this one on the road at the Broncos? Chiefs looked like the Chiefs. Yet again, Brett, and I think whenever we, uh, you know, this is one of the scary thing about this Chiefs team is they're so dynamic. If they need to be a run team, they have the capability to be a run team. If they need to be a pass team, they have the capability to be a pass team. And if they can just run a balanced offense, we've seen them do that too. Andy Reid, we all have a ton of respect for him, but the way that this team has been built now and constructed, it uh, it is a really, really dangerous offense. 
Yeah, this is exactly what we talked about on Wednesday. There's just no way to stop this Chiefs offense. They can come at you through the air. They can unleash CEH and now apparently Le'Veon Bell on the ground as you know they, as they did on Monday night against the Bills. They game plan according to the defensive flaws on the other side of the football, and they're so good at everything offensively. You can't stop them. So as we saw with the Raiders game earlier this year, you just have to outscore them. And do we trust Drew Locke to be able to do that? You know, the Broncos won in New England last week, but that wasn't because of the, the Broncos offense. Locke was bad, 10 for 24, two picks, and he wasn't helped by his skill position players either who were dropping passes and just didn't make any plays. It was a disaster. It, it was amazing they, they got a win last week um, with the, the, the upset win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just see this as an opportunity to sell the Broncos. I don't... I, this doesn't seem like enough points to me. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, I guess the one thing here, Brad, is it's going to be twenty degrees, um, and I don't know what that is in. I don't know what that is overseas, but that's cold as shit here, right? So I just uh, it's twenty degrees is really really cold. I don't know. You're, that's like minus something Celsius that that, that you use. Um, there's going to be. It looks like there's going to be snow. It looks like. Um, it looks like there isn't going to be a ton of wind, but at least a, a tiny bit of wind to go along with all of that. I mean, one of the things we've seen is like, I think people overrate weather too much, but one of the things we have seen, and, and this kind of is a trend that's gone back a long, 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 long way is when it does get below 30, when it does get below 30 degrees, that scoring does go down, which might be the reason we've seen a free fall on this total, this thing opened like closer to 49 and it's all the way down to 46 right now. Um, So there is weather conditions in this one. So pay attention to that. If you're going to be playing this game, Uh, nine and a half and 46, Brad, what you think? So this game reminds me of the game. These two played last year in Kansas city when it snowed um, and the chiefs won 23, three. Um, and I just remember Locke looked absolutely lost in the snow that day and Mahomes was dancing around having fun by the looks <laughs> of it. Um, well, I think, we'll, again, we, we we talked about it a fair bit that the Chiefs, they play to their opposition. You know, if they, if they think they can beat you playing their B game plan, they will, and they'll shut it down as soon as they're up. And I, I think we probably saw that last year. As, as I say, the second game there was 23-3. The first game between them was 30-6. to So... I can't. I kind of like the under with with that with those temperatures, with what we can expect from the Chiefs, and again with the game plan with that running game plan that you talked about. Mm-hmm. I think Belichick probably planted the seeds of that um, when the, when they played the Patriots with with just six in the box and then just drop everyone and try and cut, double everyone that you can. Basically, is that that was what um, McDermott did basically just six in the box and if you know, said, yeah, if you want to run the ball for five, six yards a carry, mm-hmm. fine. We'll take our chances on third down and hopefully get the odd field goal. And then let's try and get one fumble. And if they did get that fumble off Edwards Hilaire, they, they had a chance to win. So yeah, the Bills lost, but A, the offense was rubbish. It didn't kind of back up the game plan, which, you know, that's that's how it goes sometimes. And B, they didn't get any of the breaks, which they needed. They didn't get the, the stops on third down. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Broncos come out with a similar game plan um of of six in the box and and what that does is just shorten the game dramatically doesn't it if, if you're just mm-hmm. making them run the ball 12 yards on a drive of five yards a pop then that that really juices the clock so i think under 46 is is a, a nice play yeah this broncos offense too the other reason so i i stumbled into this at at 48 and a half and, and hit the under strictly because 
I was looking at the weather here because it's starting to get cold and I pulled up the map it, like because it's when I say cold here, it, it's cold for me. So it's starting to get cold in Vegas. And like I pulled up the national map and then I saw like this gigantic thing over uh, over Denver, like at the end of the week. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? So I go and I look and I saw that it was like going to be 20 degrees with all the snow and everything. I was like, what the, what's the total in that game? So I like stumbled into a 48 and a half just because I was selfishly looking at what the weather was going to be for, for me. And I just happened to notice what it was going to be in Denver. But yeah, I mean, even at 46, this could be, this could easily be a 24, six or 24, seven chiefs win or something like that. You know, just a gross kind of like, get it done. This Broncos offense is absolutely pathetic. 31st pass block, 22nd run block, 31st overall uh, pass offense DVOA, 20th rush uh, DVOA, third down percentage, 29th in the league, 4.8 yards per play, 27th in the league. So basically everything to hate about this Broncos offense as it is anyway. So if we're trying to get some points out of them to help this thing get over the total, it's uh, probably not coming there either. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like my 48 and a half. I still like it at 46. And if I had to play a side, Brett, I think I'm with you, man. If I had to play a side, I think I'd, I think I'd still play the chiefs. I can't imagine myself backing the Broncos in this situation. I uh, think the chiefs are just that much better than they are. Uh, 49ers at the Patriots. The Patriots are two, two and a half point favorites. Um, Brad, I will start with you here. I don't have an opinion on this game. This is actually one of the few that I kind of started to scratch off again. I still don't know exactly what I have in this 49ers team and this Patriots team. I'm not really holding it against them. What we saw last time out with all the weirdness that's been going on. This game was so weird when I started to sit down and break it down where I'm like, I don't really know what I have in this team and I don't really know what I have in this team. So I just kind of, I just kind of scratched this one off. Do you have a, do you have an opinion one way or the other? I don't have an opinion, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. I, I, I am generally about a, a buyer of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, obviously the quarterback's getting healthier. The weapons are, are all there really on, on the outside. And, you know, they've added with, with Brandon Oak and then the defense, the, I think they're probably a little bit underrated now because the the front is still good. You know, it's, it's obviously it's not what it was last year, but with Javon Kinlaw in there, um, Eric Armstead, they're, they're still powerful up front. They can still stop the run. And then the back end, obviously, Verrett healthy is huge. He's playing really well at the corner. And Emmanuel Mosley was back last week and they, they shut the Rams down because of it. So I think San Fran is a good team. But I also think that the Patriots are getting better. They're they're, they were decimated on the, on the offensive line last week. You know, there were players going out mid-game. They ended up with like the right guard, a left tackle, and it, and it was a mess. They couldn't run the ball. And given the weapons they have, they have to be able to run the ball because, you know, that, that opens things up. And if they can't, then they're, they're buggered, essentially. So, but as I say, the offensive line is, is much healthier this week. It's probably the best, best line they've had all season. So I think they will be able to move the ball somewhat. Um... But yeah, I just think we might have two underrated teams and I don't really want to pick one. Uh, right. Yeah. It's the same thing with me. It's like, I just couldn't, I couldn't decipher where the, where the, where the edge was on either side here too, too, too easily. And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to spend, uh, I'm going to spend several hours trying to make myself like a side. I'm just going to go, Brett, yeah. do you like, uh, you like anybody in this one? 
Uh, not really. I mean, this is just simply a stock high, stock low situation for me. Look ahead here was five and a half, which was probably unfair to the Niners off that embarrassing loss to Miami. But still, this is now, what, three, three and a half points off the look ahead after the Pats had their own embarrassing loss and the Niners won last week. So this looks like another overcorrection. So I, I'm i staying away from it. I have a thing where I try not to get into the mind of two great coaches and pretend like I know what they're going yeah. to do. But I do see I do see this as a buy low spot on Belichick. And I never pass on those buy low spots on Belichick. So I, you know, I, I won't bet this game, but I do that. I definitely lean the Pats. Yeah. If I had to play it, uh, Jimmy G. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy G. Jimmy G and the Patriots. Yeah. Um, This is interesting more mainly because of the line here. This is the Jags going to the chargers. Chargers are seven and a half point favorites at most shops out there and Brett when we look at this one I mean we got a rookie quarterback that has shown that he can certainly play in this league but now we have a rookie quarterback who is a seven and a half point <laughs> favorite um you know quote unquote at home there's going to be no fans it's uh it's California so there's going to be no fans so the Jags aren't going to have to worry about anything not that they would really have to worry about the the LA fans all that much anyway for this Chargers team there's that's for sure so uh, tell me what tell me how you see this playing out. And this number is very interesting, I think, for a for a Chargers team, again, led by led by a rookie without Austin Eckler, et cetera, et cetera. I've said it already this season. I will not lay more than a touchdown with Justin Herbert and this Chargers team. That is now I mean, they're down several of the best players on defense. Uh, yeah, the rookie quarterback. This is a this is the same spot as is the Panthers. You know, they were a seven point favorite against the Panthers early this year. I loved the, the I loved Carolina and the, the Panthers won outright. Uh, I just the Chargers, I don't see them having an advantage on either side of the ball, um, especially on the line of scrimmage. I just don't see where the Chargers are that much better than Jacksonville with the rookie quarterback who's still learning the system and really learning how to play quarterback professionally. He's looked great in some spots. He's going to be a good quarterback in this league, but I he's not there yet. And so this line is a couple of points too high for me. I love the Jags here uh, north of seven. Brad, this is the Chargers coming off of a bye. And I actually have, I argue that every week that goes by in the season, the Chargers should be better barring injury. Um, the more time Herbert knows that he's the starter, the more time that he is working as the starter in practice, the more time that he has to, to work with these, uh, his, his skill players and whatnot should be better in theory for this Chargers team moving forward. That said, there is a ton of injuries, a lingering kind of injury on several of these guys. There are, you know, Brian Balaga who had to miss that last game before the, who had to miss that last game before the bye. Keenan Allen had that little bit of injury. Now these are all guys that were limited in practice. It wasn't like they weren't practicing. So it's, it, it looks like they will probably play, but um Seven and a half, and we are sitting with a total of 49. Yeah, so I would say I would say the Chargers do have a significant advantage on the in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. You, you're going to have Ingram and Bosa back this week, Justin Jones in there back at tackle. And so I think suddenly that pass rush is, is back to full strength. And that I think that's that's the pass rush we saw menace the Chiefs in week two, I think it was. And I, I think they, all, 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 all other things equal, I think they will terrorise um, Gardner Minshew back there. My concern is, I, I think um, the coach, 
um, remind me his name again? Anthony Lynn. Picture him, Anthony Lynn. Yeah. yeah. He, um, I think he might be a bit of a Mike Tomlin where you want to back him as a, like a small favorite or in big games. He's kind of a rah-rah, he'll get them fired up. But as big, as big favorites, which they are here, which they were against the Panthers, I think, I think they've got a bit of a propensity to come out flat and especially the way he calls the game as well. You know, if they're up, it's just run, run, run. It's not, let's get margin. It's right. let's get out of here with a six point lead. So I, yeah, because of that, I would probably come down on the Jag side with with you guys. I think getting the seven and a half is probably valuable here because I think we could see the Chargers be a little bit flat. I want, I wanted to like the Chargers here and I wanted to like them a lot, but the more in Brad, you laid out exactly the argument that I was going to make is with it being seven and a half, just the back door in this thing is wide the hell open. And I don't want to be sitting holding that seven and a half watching Gardner Minshew just dink and dunk down the field the whole way on that final drive. And then they score the garbage touchdown and you lose by a hook and you want to shoot, you know, you want to stab yourself in the eyes. And I think that that's probably kind of how this thing goes. I think the chargers get a lead early. I, they're, they're definitely the better team. They're definitely the superior team, but I mean, they get a lead early and then Lynn goes and does what Lynn does. Like you said, he's just not the guy to go in and, and slit another team's throat. He just lets everybody kind of hang around and he gets conservative and, you know, I, I see the Jags coming and hitting this thing, you know, in the back door. And that's just, uh, that's not a ticket I want to be holding is chargers minus seven and a half when that, inevitable drive and I'm sitting at home and it's only one of a few afternoon games. So it's going to be on the TV and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, God damn it. I cannot believe I did this again. Seven and a hook, son of a bitch. And then here it is. And then I got to burn that ticket. So yeah, not going to find me on that one. Um, Seahawks and the Cardinals. This game got flexed to Sunday night because of the COVID stuff that we were talking about with that Raiders Bucks game. So we will have the Seahawks at the Cardinals in the Sunday primetime slot. Three and a half is your total. About 56 ish is uh, three and a half is your line. 56 ish is your total out there. Um, Brad, we know that the uh, MVP is sitting right now on the Seahawks. He is the overwhelming favorite to win the MVP is Russell Wilson. You have the Cardinals that uh, went out and destroyed the Cowboys last week. That said, Kyler Murray, if you really dig into those stats, he had 188 passing yards and 140 of them came on two plays. And the rest was a bunch of crap kind of from what you were seeing from him um, throwing the ball. So I think, and again, with those turnovers we talked about with Dallas, I think that the box score is a little deceiving. And then when you really dig in, maybe you wouldn't love the Cardinals quite as much. Uh, three and a half on the Seahawks. And again, a total of 56. Yeah, I like the Seahawks here, you know, because of a lot of things you talked about there. I think they're probably overrated a so two weeks ago they, they played the jets who you know at the time not an nfl team um and then obviously last week four turnovers those two big plays which are not necessarily predictive you know um mm. so for the season now we've got the cardinals at 47 percent passing success rate that's 19th in the nfl um and so i would say the defenses are awash they're they're both kind of poor other i don't think either of them are better than the other particularly um but so yeah we've got 19th passing success rate and then the seahawks offense i just think is is truly elite um fourth in the nfl early down success rate um fifth 
early down passing success rate, fourth in early down EPA per play. So I just think they I just think obviously they've got the the extra rest here as well. I think they're going to come out and just put up what they usually do, thirty five and. Based on what we've seen out of the Cardinals, I don't necessarily think they've got the firepower to keep up. So, yeah, I just think we've got a much more efficient offense and I'm happy to lay three and a half. So one of the things we were, we were talking about, uh, Brett, last week heading into that Cowboys game was that, well, the Cardinals don't have any pass rush, so it shouldn't actually affect Andy Dalton all that much. I don't necessarily know that the Cardinals found a pass rush as much as it is that the Cowboys offensive line is just complete garbage. And that was why Dalton was feeling pressure as much as he was in that game but that being said we know one thing is for sure one Russell Wilson feels pressure much better than just about any quarterback in the league he also escapes pressure much better than just about any quarterback in the league that being said so far according to pro football focus the uh, Seahawks 12th in pass blocking uh, fourth in run blocking their overall pass offense is third so I mean they've been they've been getting done of course yards per play is first in the league 6.6 Uh, tops in the league this number when I saw it seemed incredibly short and I think this was like people looking and it's like a 38 to 10 win for the Cardinals wow they've they're back like all this and like you look I watched that game every single friggin' play that game Kyler Murray was not good he was great with his feet there like there's no doubt about that he was not good throwing the ball he was inaccurate 140 of his 188 came on two passes. Okay. I mean, like that is, that is insanity. Whenever you start to break this all down, the offense was not all that efficient. They were handed short fields. They were gifted those turnovers. I think this is an awesome, awesome spot to get on the Seahawks. Yeah. The other thing is who scheduled this game. I need a name because (laughs) this, we should be getting like a fair fight here between two division rivals featuring these two exciting quarterbacks. Instead, we're getting the Seahawks off a of bye and the Cardinals on short rest. They just played Monday Night Football. You're giving Pete Carroll two weeks to plan and scheme ways to mask his terrible defense against Kyler Murray. Like, I, I wanted to like Arizona here with the hook. Like, in theory, mm-hmm. Kyler should have plenty of time to operate and make plays here. According to PFF, Arizona's offensive line, They've allowed quick pressure only on 16% of his dropbacks. That's fifth best in the NFL. The Seahawks rank near the bottom in the league in a hurry percentage, pressure percentage, sacks. This unit doesn't generate any pressure. And their secondary, we know, is terrible. But Pete Carroll and Ken Norton Jr., now they have t- they have time to get creative in and mm-hmm. prep. They've got you know, the extra time that matters because of repetition and prep and preparation. They have they've seen Murray before. Of course, but they haven't seen him with with DeAndre Hopkins. So extra time to look at film and and plan for this game because this is a different Cardinals offense to plan for. Um, I I don't know, man. I think this is just a play for me on the Seahawks just because of the extra prep time. And I think they're going to be able to cook up ways to contain Murray early. And the Hawks are so dangerous if they're able to play from ahead. I, I I think this is the first time I've backed the Hawks all season. So I'm sure this is going to go really well for me, but this one's all about coaching and the extra time for the the Seahawks to get ready for Kyler Murray. Look, they can they can prove me wrong if they uh, if they want to, but uh, I'm going to be very heavy on the Seahawks. This this game could this game could ruin my week for sure. I, that's uh, th- there's there's always one game that can ruin my week, and I think that this game is going to be the one. It's a great could, spot for Seattle. That could ruin my week. Uh, Monday Night Football. 
Bears at the Rams. I wanted to find a spot to fade the Bears so badly. Like I just wanted to like, what, is this the perfect spot? And I just don't, I can't get there with this. They're getting six points on the road at the Rams. Um, I think we were a little too quick to crown Sean McVay, this offensive genius. His play calling and his decision-making has been suspect at best, is how I would put it, over uh, – this is a, a fairly big sample size. Now, I'm not talking about just this season. This date back into last season as well, That where I've been scratching my head at some of the decisions that this guy has made. Um, Six-point favorites are the Rams. Now, Brett, I hate the Bears' offense. I think it's terrible. I think it sucks. But the defense has actually been – Everything that this kind of, you know, we've thought about this Bears defense over the last couple of seasons. If you look at all the advanced metrics, they're kind of right there in the mix with just about everything. Rush defense, 10th pro football focus, pass rush, 4th, coverage rank, 6th, overall defense DVOA, 2nd. You know, I mean, there's just a lot to love about this Bears defense. Um, Can the Rams offense that at times can be high powered? overcome this Bears defense and uh, and cover a six-point spread. This game is so interesting. This 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 particular matchup was one of my favorite spots all of last year with this Bears pass rush up against a beat-up, struggling Rams offensive line. But the Rams this year are actually one of the better pass-blocking units in the NFL. Mm. Jared Goff has faced pressure within two and a half seconds on only 12% of his dropbacks. That's the best in the NFL. So that narrative going into last year where the Rams offensive line couldn't win the line of scrimmage against the bears, that doesn't have the same weight as it does here in 2020. The the Rams are actually giving golf time to operate. That said, I keep getting sucked into the metrics that tell me the Rams are an elite offense. Where was that elite offense last week? I, I, I mean, that, yeah, I, I hated that I was on the Rams last week because that's usually a spot where I would love the 49ers off that embarrassing loss. But, I got sucked into it because of the metrics and I, I don't want to do that again. So until I actually see an elite Rams offense, this is going to be a stay away from me. I didn't know what to do with this game. Brad, a, a the, the number of six is, is quite interesting. Cause again, I mean this, the, the bears offense, if you watch the team play, you can just see it's uh it's very clunky, right? I mean, pass offense, 24th DVOA, rush offense, 28th DVOA, third down percentage, 27th, can't really get off the field, yards per play, 4.8, which is 28th in the league. So not a ton to like there, but then this defense has been good enough to where the offense hasn't had to do all that much. Uh, who wins in this battle between this, uh, you know, a, a struggling offense in the Bears, an offense that can be good for the Rams, but eh, kind of comes and goes it's a really really kind of fascinating matchup on Monday night yeah I think the six is probably valuable in this spot um I think like you guys we all bought in a little bit too quickly that the Rams were were back um because personnel wise scheme wise there's not too much different from last year um you know just when they weren't that good as as Brett says they are blocking better but some of that might be scheme. Um, you know, as if they if they throw all that motion at you, it does slow down the pass rush. If they throw screens at you, it does slow down the pass rush. Um, and there's signs that teams might be starting to figure it out again. I think they probably I think the Rams they probably played they played the NFC East, which we spoke about last week, which is probably why they look so good. And then when they when they when they put up twenty eight on the Bills or so, everyone's like, okay, well maybe they are for real because the Bills are a good defense. Well, the Bills we know now aren't a good defense, and I think. Probably last week the Rams came up against their first real, their first actual real defense in the in the uh, in the San Francisco 49ers. and I think we could see a bit more of that this week. I would say the the, the Bears D line can probably control this game. Um, 
obviously the now the concern here when when backing this is is that is Nick Foles and the offenses mm-hmm. as you went through those numbers they've not been good in the slightest but there were a couple of little signs last week they went no huddle a few times they had the third highest no huddle rate of the week um, and they turned two of those into scoring drives so I wonder if we we see a little bit more of that and it just gets Foles in flow a bit more because we know how hot and cold mm-hmm. he can run um so yeah, all that all that said, I just thought this number should be a bit lower. I thought four and a half would be fair. So I took a bit of plus six. Yeah, I um I, I don't have this in the account yet, but I think I'm probably gonna have a Bears plus six ticket. And I can't believe I'm saying that because God, I just want to fade the Bears every week so bad because I hate this offense so much. But um the defense, I think they're gonna be able to do just enough to keep it close and uh getting damn near a touchdown. I think I'm going to be on the Bears, and I can't believe I'm saying that. It makes me kind of gross to even to even say it out loud. That is so, pretty gross. I know. It's so gross to have to back the Bear. I know. And, like, watch that offense just, like, clunk up and down for, like, four drives in a row, and then they'll look great for two, and then, uh, I know, it's horrible. Backing uh, the most fraud 5-1 and one team. It is. It is, uh, I know, that's, in history. That is, that's tough. I'm just going to keep circling spots to fade this team. They're not priced like a five-one team. Though. The, the yeah, narrative is, is so. Oh, the Bears are a fraud that they're priced. They're like they're not a five-one. That's team, true. Essentially. Um. So, kind of recap for my kind of best th- best place of the week. I have a. I already have a massive teaser on the Lions and Saints, so uh, that one's going to need to get home for me for sure. I have a, a, an incredible amount of money on the uh, Seahawks as well. I think I made that clear that that's really a position that I'm heavily on this week um and then uh, i was on the under in that chiefs and broncos game i got a better number that's available now that said i still think even what you can get now uh is still probably pretty good should this weather forecast hold up again like when you're there's a big big difference in 20 degrees and 35 degrees like 35 is really cold 20 is freezing and like the ball doesn't fly as well so you, you can't kick these long field goals that we've seen all over the place and you're going to be more you're going to be more inclined to punt than than go for things so um yeah so anyhow uh those are the those are the best bets for me brett what are you uh what are you looking at this week it's already in your account and what is uh probably going to end up there i like the jags plus seven and a half and the, you guys are right the back door is going to be open if the it but that's if the jags just don't win this game outright. So I like a I like a money line play on the Jags too. Uh, Dallas, I I keep loving Dallas more and more just based on the regression that is it has to be coming. Uh, so I, I, I and I do think the fumbles and the turnovers have been baked into this line. I think they're just a far better team, uh, talent wise certainly a far better team than Washington. And in 2020, where offense matters, I will take Dallas and. The Bills, I I loved. I what Brad said about you know, the looking ahead to New England. I think there is some weight to that, but they also are just coming off two two losses. I think this is a get right spot for them. I think they're just going to want to blow the doors off the Jets to get ready for New England. So I still like the Bills minus twelve, or if you can get them on the eleven and a half, it might drop again. If if Brad keeps betting it, <laughs> and the Brads out there keep betting the Jets, you might be able to get the Bills at eleven and a half. Brad, how you, uh, what's in your account already, and uh, what do you consider kind of your best bets of the week here? Um, best bet of the week. Well, so I have bet the the Washington football team. Um, I have bet the Saints minus seven. I have bet the Jets plus 12 and a half. Um, I have bet the Seahawks minus three and a half. 
and I probably will bet the Steelers, and I have bet yeah. the Bears plus six. Oh, I forgot the Steelers. Um, yes, the Steelers. Yes, yes. Add them in. So I forgot about yeah. that. Yes, forgot about the Steelers. Yeah, the best bet out of that bunch. I don't know. Um, I'll, yeah, but we'll go with the Steelers then. We'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's. Uh, I really do like that one. Really do like the Seahawks as well. Um, guys, of course, we have written breakdowns of all the games over at thelines.com. So be sure. And head over there. You can follow Brett on Twitter at Brett Colson. You can follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. And uh, listen, this is an interesting week. Some big spreads, some small spreads, COVID issues. We got it all this week, guys. So uh, we'll be we'll be tuning in. Weather, the whole nine yards. We'll be tuning in along alongside you guys. Hopefully you win all of your bets for Brad. For Brad, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.